We might be too young to have a spotted cow, but we are both diehard Packers fans. I could talk about this for hours. He was my legend. He was my quarterback one. Taysom Hill, forever in my heart. We have a kind of a reputation of being the young, the young diehard fans. How is that, Dr. Pepper Taysom? Amazing. Hey, good. Let's keep it under 25 minutes, all right? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Packers fans. Thank you for tuning in to episode 95 of the Underage Packers podcast. Always a pleasure that anybody listens. Um, I always make sure when I'm looking at the statistics, I try not to get my head too much into it, try not to get too concerned about it. But when I'm looking at the views and the plays, um, I make sure to subtract my total of like when I listen to it five times because I am so obsessive. I don't know if it's because I think it's cool that we have like a podcast on Spotify, Apple Music everywhere, and it's like the same place I listen to my all my other podcasts or whatever. But like I listen to our podcast when we put it out. I listen to it like at least three or four times. So um, it's good to know there's somebody else other than just me. Bigby, I don't know if you ever listen to our episodes, do you? Uh, um, absolutely not. Because you hate your voice. You hate hearing your voice. Yes. Yes. I know that. And I think it's just because I'm used to it. I've edited um, videos since I was like eight, nine years old. Like I would literally just put my iPad on one of my like reclining chairs and record my TV and I'd commentate it and then I, I'd edit it. Um, so I, I've just been like listening to my voice ever since I was a nine-year-old boy. So I'm just like used to it at this point. Yes, that's probably the difference here. Yeah. And and I mean you're you're not editing it either. So you're you're just like, I talk and then I don't want to hear it ever again. Bingo. Anywho, there's our little funny ha ha hee hee for you to start off our episode today uh, with special guest Andy Herman of the Pack Day podcast and the Packer Report. Andy, always a great guy to talk to. Um and always just a, a great guy in general, following him on his Twitter feed. His his takes uh, outside of food are always great. Um, and he's generally, you can just tell, he's a he's a hard working, he's, a, he's just a, a, a good father, a, a, a great Wisconsin citizen. You can just tell. Big B has no thoughts on that. Yes, you lost me. You lost me. Anyways. Let's throw it to our interview with Mr. Andrew Herman. All right, we are now here with Andy Herman of the Pack Day Podcast. Andy, thank you uh, so much for joining us once again this season. Yeah, you bet. Always a pleasure talking to you guys. It's always fun, and I uh, can't wait to dive into some more Packers discussion. Absolutely. You know, you fall into that court or that category that me and Big B like to talk about of like, all right, let's not try – to get too complicated with this, let's just ask a question and then we'll let your smartness take over for the episode. So we, we can just like that. That's the content we're looking for. Bad choice. I hear I was expecting you guys to carry me this episode. So <laughs> it's going to be a train wreck before it even begins. We're, but uh, We'll, we'll make it just, work, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll make it work. We're all just trying to carry each other along, put together something that's consumable here. Perfect. In 30 minutes. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, before we get too far along, though, Big B, I, I noticed something on uh, just a little bit. Are you wearing a quick trip hoodie here? Yes. Wow. 
All Amazing. right. You got to get that autograph by Ramage. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what I was thinking. Like when, cause when you were coming down the series, I told you this, when I was texting you uh, at Lambo, we were trying to meet up like when everybody was tailgating, it was nuts. And then I see this guy coming down the stairs. I'm like, Oh, is that Matt Ramage? Cause he had the bears still suck beanie on. I, I really thought it was Matt Ramage. So I was going to say hi to him anyway. It's like, Oh, big b so now you're just fully embracing the quick trip we'll, we'll definitely now i need now i need some glazers <laughs> yes i tried when i went to green bay i told my dad right uh the night before we left because we leave at like three or four in the morning he's he's crazy with his driving so uh, i tell him the night before all right when we leave we we got to make sure we stop specifically at quick trip so we can get the glazers so i got a half dozen and I ate them all at 4 a.m. on the way back. So that was, I, it definitely lived up to the hype, I'd say. Here's a, a, a trick that I learned from a friend and it blew my mind. So he gets the, the glazer donut holes, right? Mm -hmm. And he puts them in the freezer. And for whatever reason, they are ridiculous. It is the most insane thing ever. But next time, get the donut holes, put them in the mm -hmm. freezer, eat them once they're frozen. And it's, it's stupid good. I don't know why. I don't know why it works, but it it works somehow. Interesting. I'll, I'll definitely have to try that out, and I'll, I'll let I'll let you know how it works out. And you know my uh, you know my takes on food are always just perfect. So absolutely, never I'll, any debate about those. I know I can trust you when it comes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's uh, get to this Packers game here, though. Uh, this past week, they have for the first time this season, and really all of the pandemic had a major outbreak I guess you could say to COVID pretty minuscule compared to some other teams around the league but uh, this was the first big situation for the Packers many uh, players starters on this list and one big one yesterday was Corey Borjorquez the excellent punter pro bowl alternate he must be one of the first Packers punters in quite some time to even believe be an alternate for the pro bowl um but it's looking like it is possible if he's asymptomatic and vaccinated that he will be back in time for this Vikings game. Um, but in any other case, what, I mean, what's the emergency scenario you think, Herman? What, what's the, what do you think they're going to do here? Well, it's interesting because the Cardinals may have potentially done Green Bay another favor. I don't know if they'll go in this direction or not, but their training camp hunter, Ryan Winslow, who uh, was with them almost the entirety of training camp, and then that, they obviously cut him and then J.K. Scott as well. Um, but he was just released by the Cardinals from their practice squad. So, you know, not to get too much in the minutia of practice squad rules, but let's say that he was, would have been their guy, right? And they would have wanted to bring him off the practice squad. Well, in order to do so, you need if you sign a, a player from another team's practice squad, you have to guarantee that they're on the roster for at least three weeks, or at least you have to hold their roster spot for at least three weeks. So uh, you would have to sign him to the active roster for three weeks, which if your punter is going to be out just for a week is not something that you would want to do. However, when the Cardinals released him from the practice squad, now what Green Bay could theoretically do is sign him to their own practice squad, very minuscule from a pay standpoint. And if they need him on Sunday, 
then they bring him up from the practice squad as a COVID replacement. And if not, they probably just let him go on Monday. Um, no harm, no foul. So at least easy for me to say, I'm sure the guy would like a job. Um, but, uh, you know, you don't have to put in three weeks of regular season salary into a punter when you don't need him that often. So not to say that Green Bay will necessarily go on that, you know, situation or w- with him as their punter, but certainly an option that would make some sense. Somebody they have familiarity with who's probably at least practiced some holding for Mason Crosby during training camp. Um, and then again, if they, if they need him, they have him. If not, and, uh, Bojo is back in time, then they don't have to activate him. So could be a, a direction they go there. Um, otherwise I would assume, you know, that Mason Crosby could do some emergency oh, punting in uh, in an absolute emergency situation. Although, although our, oh. you know, Kirk Benkert has shown oh, that he has right. some, some punting chops as well. Uh, so, you know, maybe, uh, emergency punting, maybe they bring in Benkert as their, their emergency punter. Who knows? Crazier things this season have happened. We saw a, a wide receiver start at quarterback. It's only fitting that a quarterback would start at punter at some point. I think we need to make it happen. I can't imagine. That's like a NFL films video. Then that's like a story to tell your kids about how this practice squad quarterback who's a legend already, but then he goes out there, punter gets COVID. And he just absolutely bombs it away, and we get to trade him away for a second-round draft pick because he's the greatest punter we've ever seen. Imagine if you could have a, a roster spot that he was like your backup quarterback as well as your punter. Like <laughs> You guys are way, way, way too young for the days of Tom Tupa. That actually happened at one point. Uh, but in the modern day where um, you know roster spots are so valuable, having somebody who could be your punter and your backup QB would be pretty amazing. But uh, all fun to believe in, but pr- unlikely to see, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I guess, yeah, we have Burke Binkert as emergency punter, and then if something happens to Stephen Wordle, we got Tippa uh, Naliai. So, you we're, never this know. Close, we're this close from Tippa snapping to Kirk Benkert from, <laughs> from long snapper to, to punter, which, oh, why not? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> that, that, would, that would be pretty cool. So, and it probably also, wouldn't uh, crack the most craziest things that happened this year, probably. No, yeah, right, maybe. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, also, with COVID, uh, the defense line room is pretty banged up right now. Kingsley Kiki is on that list, uh, and then Tyler Lancaster is dealing with a back injury. But uh, the one I wanted to talk about is the tight end room, as Mercedes Lewis went down with it earlier in the week, and then Tyler Davis just this past Wednesday. And, you know, Andy, I think you were probably the one most excited about it, that with Mercedes Lewis down, it would have been a great opportunity or your guy, Tyler Davis, to yeah. get even more snaps. Uh, but we're looking at a tight end room now with Josiah DeGuara and Dominique Daphne, who's dealing with an ankle injury. I mean, what, what do you think if Mercedes Lewis and Davis can't go, what, what are they going to do there? Yeah, they could bring up the uh, the good old-fashioned Bronson Kafusi. Uh, so we could get a Kafusi sighting at tight end. That could be, you know, their emergency number three guy. Uh, but either way, you know, I would expect this to be a lot of Deguara and a lot of Daphne. Um, and I think they might just have to use them in, in slightly different ways, right? I think we could see Daphne in, you know, sort of that old-school H-back fullback role a little bit more, use Deguara as a tight end, but maybe split them at wide at times. We could even see some, you know, two two H-back sets, like they could do a variety of different things. I think the beauty of Matt LaFleur's offense is there's not a formation he can't run. There's not a personnel grouping he can't work with. So yeah, it would definitely be a huge loss if a, you know, guy like Mercedes Lewis, for example, 
who's so integral in their run blocking and their pass protection and, and everything that they do. He's such an unsung hero. Um, if they're missing him, it would be a big loss, but you know, Matt LaFleur has, uh, you know, plays and formations that no human has even thought of in his uh, in his playbook that he's probably more than willing and, and probably semi excited to pull out if we're being honest. So I think, uh, you know, when we th- when we thought of, uh, you know, DeGuara coming out and all the different unique things that he could potentially bring to the table. And I think Daphne is a very similar player in kind of the same ilk. Um, I just, I think that it's going to create opportunity to be more creative. And if there's anything we know from LaFleur and Getze and Hackett and all those guys is they love being creative. And it wouldn't surprise me if we saw some unique stuff uh, with both Daphne and Aguara this week. Yeah. Worst comes to worst. Uh, I mean, we can throw Jason Vrabel out there, you know, we'll, there you go. We'll see what it has to come down to. <laughs> we're just gonna like uh fantasy book like uh, random people into every position and by the end of the show we're gonna have kirk bankert punning and tipa long snapping uh jason vrabel's at tight end jason wildy's at quarterback like we're just gonna fantasy book everything at this point we'll, we'll have a we'll have a full lineup out there we'll, perfect we'll, can't wait that's our mission that we we have to put together here today uh let's see i think i don't want to talk too much about the covid list outside of that um, they did get back Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and Kevin King today uh, back from that list. So that's going to be pretty big. Uh, as far as the injuries, I feel like we're here talking about it every week, but it, I don't think we're going to get a real clear answer from Matt LaFleur on any of these guys. Um, and it, my ranking really on like how optimistic I am about each one of these players that has been out for an extended period of time is like constantly changing. And I've just pretty much give up, gave up on like trying to look too far into Matt Lafleur's connotation and tone when talking about a player because, really, uh, his differentiation and you know one adjective or uh, his how his eyes are and his face are shaped don't tell you that much. So, David Bakhtiari, hopefully he gets some regular season action so he's not thrown out there uh, in the playoffs, and then Jair Alexander. It would be excellent to have him this week against Justin Jefferson. However, it does not look like that's going to happen. So you got to hope at least Jair and David get back healthy in time for the playoffs. And then anything anybody else is really just a plus. Randall Cobb was returning to practice today after dealing with a core injury for quite some time. So just the injuries right now are obviously mounting up. And I think, honestly, if you're a Packers fan, you can't be – Uh, looking I don't know because it just seems like the idea for a long time was like this team is really great right now but imagine once they get these five six seven starters back I think we would time to accept uh, that this might be the team uh, that we're going to be seeing in a deep playoff run all right let's let's make some hypotheses and see how many I can get right here so I'll go on a limit I'll make some predictions and I'm going to clarify this ahead of time by saying this is on no inside information. This is purely guesswork on my, on my end. So we can, we can run this back uh, at at end of season and see if I got any of these, right. So I'm going to say Jair Alexander is back for first playoff game, regardless of whether that's if they have to play in the, you know, wildcard week, or if they play in the divisional round, I'm going to say Jair is back first playoff game. That's my prediction on him. Um, I'm going to say Z doesn't play for the Packers ever again. That's going to be my prediction there. Uh, let's see. Uh, David Bakhtiari, I'm going to say maybe, maybe if they make the Super Bowl, he is able to play. 
Um, I'm going to say that we, I'm, I'm going to lean actually towards not seeing him this season, but I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say, maybe if they play in the Super Bowl, they're able to get him back for the Super Bowl. I think that could be, you know, you know, another six, eight, five, six weeks away. I might give him enough time uh, to, to recover, but I don't think it would be before then. That'll be my prediction on him. I think we could see Josh Myers late in the playoffs, maybe NFC championship game, uh, maybe Super Bowl, something like that, where we would see Myers return. Uh, I think Billy Turner, I'm going to say divisional round. So I'm going to say if they have to play that first week of the playoffs in a wild card, I'm going to say maybe not quite yet, but uh, if they make it or if they get the bye week to the divisional round, I'll say Billy Turner returns then. Uh, who am I missing? Uh, did, did I miss anyone? Um, did you mention Cobb? No, Cobb, I'm going to say is back for the the first playoff game as well. I think okay. ideally divisional round for him, uh, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if he maybe pushed it uh, towards the wild card weekend as well, if need be. Um, but I'm going to say he returns for one of those two weeks for the ideally their first playoff game, hopefully in that divisional round. So I think that mostly covers everyone. There's so many injuries. It's tough to keep track of them, but yeah, if there's anyone else I'd be happy to make a random bold prediction on. Did you yeah. Say Billy, it's, what's what that? Gonna... Did you say Billy Turner? Yeah. Billy Turner. I'm going to say first uh, divisional round, divisional round. Okay. Those were some hard truths. Not, not the hypothetically yeah. from Andy's predictions, but man, that would, that would, some of those would absolutely suck, especially with Zedarius and how his contract is structured uh, and more, more than likely not playing with us in 2022. Yeah. And I mean, just a re- weird, frustrating season for him, right? Like had mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, back in training camp, there was sort of like whispers of like, is he really hurt or is this, contract yeah. stuff um and then he gets back practicing and then sort of injures something quote unquote allegedly and then he comes back and he plays for the first game and then sort of re-injures something and then there's been this talk like and z will post on instagram being like i'm back and then you'll see him with the team and then you don't see him again for a very long period of time it's just uh, it's a really weird I'm not sure i can ever equate anything packers related exactly mm-hmm. like it in season where we're not really getting, and it could theoretically literally be just a lingering back issue from day one. That's never really cleared up. And that's all it is. That could literally be it. There could have never been a contract issue. There could have never been any dispute. There could never be anything else. And, you know, Occam's razor, I guess it's probably the most likely, but it, the whole thing is just reeked of weirdness. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll have to see any, like I mentioned, anything would be a, a great additional boost um, but I mean, this team is 12 and three. They've won that um, 12 games without plenty of starters. Uh, and even without the guys that are like uh, doubtful or a mystery as of now on their status, they've had many other players uh, throughout the rest of the season that they've had to win games without. And you've seen guys like Yash Nyman, uh, Tyler Davis, uh, Rashawn Gary, and Preston Smith. Uh, to really step it up and leave this team to be uh, one of the best in the NFL. And uh, right now in position to be the number one seed in the NFC. And it's looking like this week there's uh, a lot at stake, at least for the heart, the emotional aspect of this, because not only can the Packers clinch the number one seed for the second year in a row, uh, this week with them winning against Minnesota and then the Arizona Cardinals beating Dallas. But also, uh, there's two other teams that need to win, uh, and I'm forgetting who at the moment, but 
Packers could also potentially knock the Minnesota Vikings out of the playoffs on Sunday night football. And would it be absolutely glorious? It would be. That's a, that's a dream scenario, right? Yep. Like you clinch a first round bye and a divisional, uh, you know, round playoff game and you boot Minnesota out of the playoffs all in one fell swoop would be absolutely amazing. But I want to go back to something you mentioned just a second ago and mm-hmm. all the players on this team that are stepping up or maybe overachieving, right? As I look at coaching and as you start talking about Matt LaFleur as coach of the year and things like that, as I look at coaching, whether it's positional coaches, head coaches, et cetera, one of the things I always look at is what's your ratio of players that are overachieving, achieving as where you would kind of expect them to be and underachieving. And I just I want, I want to ask you guys, what players on this Packers team this year, outside of like player like Z, you can't really count because he's been injured the entire year, right? Like outside of injury related issues, what players on this team are underachieving in your mind? Mm. That's a good question. Uh, for me, at least recently, I would say Darnell Savage. Um, I think that's that's one A. That would be one A on my list. Mm-hmm. I think Darnell Savage, but I think he had a pretty decent game last week. Had the pick, uh, made a big tackle in the open field, had a couple of missed tackles, but a couple of plays here and there. He's you know he kind of fluctuates a little bit, but I would absolutely agree that I think he is underachieving. Any anyone else? I mean, Mason Crosby maybe. Uh, Mason Crosby underachieving a little bit, uh, although that's been better as of late as well. Anyone else? Maybe Lucas Patrick, I would say. Mm, I think Patrick yeah. is, uh, has taken a little bit of a step back from where he was a season ago, although Matt LaFleur did give him high praise this week as well. But, I, I mean, my point being here um, is that if you look at this team as a whole, the vast majority of players are either meeting expectations or exceeding expectations. And maybe you can make an argument that a Lucas Patrick, maybe an MVS, maybe a Mason Crosby are slightly below where you kind of expected them going into the season. Um, And like you said, a Darnell Savage, but by far and away, the vast, vast, vast majority of the players on this team are either meeting expectations or in some cases, far exceeding like Razul Douglas, like Devondre Campbell. I think Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith have taken steps over where they were a season ago, as you mentioned, like you can go up and down this roster. Uh, Yash Nyman far exceeding expectations, Tyler Davis out of nowhere coming in and providing valuable snaps. So, um, and and we could go on and on, but there are very few and far between uh, players that are, you know, underachieving. And I think that's one of the key ways that I always evaluate coaching. And to me, just another key example, why the, the coaching staff is doing so well on this team. Yeah. And Matt Fleur obviously deserves all the credit and is going to get all the credit, but uh, I'm not in the meetings with them, but it sure seems like um, that he has put together a great staff of assistants as well. Um, you have Nathaniel Hackett definitely getting some head coaching looks in his second year in uh, the head coaching market, getting some interviews. Um, but for sure, like you mentioned, a lot of guys that have just uh, not only from last season stepped up, but just unexpectedly added a, a great role to this team, which has obviously really helped them up to this point. I'm going to make another bold prediction for you just because I'm in the, I'm in the mood. It's, okay. it's almost New Year's. Why don't we make some, some 2022 predictions? I'm going to say that of, of Hackett, Getsy, and Stenovich, only mm. one of them will be back on the staff next year. I think mm. at least at least two of them get promotions. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. And I, I don't want to like, because I've spent enough time in my mind worrying about uh, whatever happens after the February of this year with the Packers. But I was thinking of that, you know, if Hackett goes somewhere, 
especially a team like Jacksonville, who is absolute dumpster fire, he's probably going to bring plenty of the Packers offensive staff along with him uh, to possibly some higher positions. So that will certainly be something to watch. Yeah, I think, you know, as soon as Hackett, if he does, in fact, get a head coaching job, um, you know, Green Bay would probably try to tie up their their top assistant, whether that's whether they view that as Stenovich or Getze as quickly as possible and move them into that offensive coordinator position and give them a promotion. The one that doesn't, I would think, would go with Hackett and become their offensive mm-hmm. coordinator. You never quite know. Maybe Hackett has somebody else in mind. Maybe, you know, sometimes um, coaches out of respect won't raid the previous roster. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens, but, um, or their previous team, I should say, but, uh, definitely, I think either way, even if Hackett ends up staying and not getting a job, I think whatever coaches, uh, do become head coaches would be just idiotic to not look at either of those two as potential offensive coordinator options. For sure. Uh, let's talk about this game here against Minnesota now. So it's, it's going to be a cold one down there. We're, we're going to be definitely looking at a frozen tundra type game here. About uh, at least under 10 degrees for kickoff uh, and for the rest of the game. No sun at all. Uh, I know it's the winter, but it's going to be a night game, obviously. And uh, it's going to be an interesting one for the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Kirk Cousins uh, has only played in one game where the weather was under 30 degrees. And he's also notoriously struggled uh, in primetime games for, for the years past. So I, I have a feeling... Um, I was not trying to make an Adam Thielen pun there. My uh, tongue just slipped. Uh, but Adam Thielen is inactive for this game with an ankle injury. He had um, surgery on it this past week. Um, so he won't be playing, and that just makes it seem even more of a scenario where the Vikings will run Dalvin Cook over and over and over again. And that is hard not to get flashbacks to last year at Lambeau Field where Dalvin Cook did that very same thing, and the Vikings were pretty much able to play keep away with the Packers for the whole second half uh, and get the win over them. So I need to hear your thoughts. What are you thinking? Uh, What do you think this game looks like for the Packers' defense? What do they have to do to be able to kind of, I guess, slow down Dalvin Cook uh, and really just make Kirk Cousins win this game? I, th- I think the biggest thing that they need to do a much better job of, uh, you know, based on this last game is just setting the edge. Um, if you watch, you know, Dean Lowry, Ken, you know, Kenny Clark, I thought that even Tyler Lancaster, those guys were doing a pretty good job of holding up at the point of attack and even uh, getting into the backfield, resetting the line of scrimmage, even TJ Slayton, same thing. Right. But uh, you look at far more often than not, when things started to break down, it was an edge rusher, either not being able to set the edge, pinching inside, um, and there were a lot of issues with that. A lot of times it was Gary. A lot of times it was Garvin. Sometimes it was Tipa. I thought Preston did pretty good overall. Um, but I think they just need to do a much better job of making sure that those edges are set and funneling everything back inside. Because as I mentioned, those interior defenders are doing a good job. Devondre Campbell was getting off a block. So if they can do that and they can consistently do that, I think they're going to be fine. I don't, I don't see this. I know they're just coming off of one of their worst run defending games in a, in a long time uh, against Cleveland. I don't see this as a run defense that's like the, you know, against the 49ers two years ago and that entire season where the 49ers knew they could line up and just run it down Green Bay's throat and Green Bay couldn't do anything about it. I don't see that at all. I I think this is a actually good run defense. That was the first running back who gained over 100 yards against Green Bay all season long. Um, I think if you kind of look at it, even as the game went on, they 
you know, I, I thought they actually did a pretty good job with, with Chubb early in the game. There are a couple of breakouts here and there, same with uh, Dearness Johnson, but uh, later in the game, I think they were expecting Cleveland, especially when they were down two scores to, to start throwing it around more and have Baker throw it around more. I think they kind of took their foot off the, the gas a little bit from a run defense standpoint. And that's when we started to see Cleveland really have success. So I think Green Bay was saying, hey, we don't want the, you know, them to get in the, the game with a chunk play through the air, things like that. And they were really playing the pass a little bit more. And I think the run defense broke down and there's definitely, like I said, they, they needed to set the edge a lot better. So I think they'll learn from that game and I think it'll be much better. And yeah, I'm sure Delvin's going to get his, I'm sure he'll have a nice game. I'm not saying that they're going to shut him down, but I also don't think like this is going to be 180, 200 yards for Delvin and green Bay is going to be in crisis mode because they can't stop the run again. Mm. Gives me a little bit of hope there. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, and then you look at this last matchup uh, against Minnesota where it was obviously inside because Minnesota Vikings can't handle the cold. They have to pump fake snow in their stadium to, to give it a little bit of that vibe. Uh, I mean, they couldn't even play in their, their trash stadium. They couldn't even play outside because and they had a trash roof also. So now they got to protect themselves with some glass, some bird killer. Um, but hey, Minnesota Vikings as a whole, awful franchise. Uh, but anyways, you look at that pass game at U.S. Bank Stadium – and that first half was a really uh, tough performance for the Packers on defense. For some reason, Kevin Keene was in over Rasul Douglas, uh, and that allowed two early touchdowns from the Vikings offense. And really, the Packers had a good second half, but they just allowed so much and were so behind after that first half that Aaron Rodgers, 385 yards and four touchdowns was not enough to win them the game. Um, but, I mean, if you look at it, if Darnell Savage – just holds on to one of those interceptions or if the referee doesn't uh, rule Kingsley Geeky for an awful rucking the passer call in the fourth quarter, uh, mm-hmm. then this team probably wins that game. Uh, however, it would still be a tough match, obviously. But that Minnesota Vikings uh, defense was pretty easy to pass on. They are currently 26 in pass defense, at least for yards allowed. So, Big B, are you, did you listen to that part? Yes. All right, now I got a question for you. How? What do you think is an offensive game plan for Green Bay? It's going to be cold. Do you think they kind of pound the rock with A.J. Dillon, or do they kind of like mix a little bit of Aaron Rodgers' pass and attack in there? What do you think they're going to do here? Well, they definitely have to get off to a faster start than they did in our previous game, mm-hmm. but I think, I hope that they use A.J. Dillon a lot more in the first half keep Aaron Jones healthy and on the sidelines. Don't let him get hurt. Just use AJ Dillon, run the ball, but knowing Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, they're going to pass every single play and go three and out about four times and then start to play football. But you know, that's just me. I just want AJ Dillon. But Yeah. They certainly have gotten off to fast or slower starts in these past few games. And it's really frustrating to watch, but it's almost like you can guarantee, all right, if opposing team on their first drive they're probably going to drive down get an easy score Packers they're going to go three and out because Aaron's going to take a 30-yard shot to Devontae on third and two uh and then after that the defense gets a turnover or two they start to step up um but then and then the offense gets in their groove as well but um Andy what do you think is a reason for those slow starts is it just mainly because like the play calling like Big B was hitting on or what do you think the reason for that is? 
Yeah, I think it's a little bit just happenstance. I don't think there's anything they're doing drastically different in the first drives than they are later in the game. You'd like to see them execute a little bit better uh, to begin games. You know, I, I, I guess I, it's tough to say happenstance when it's happened almost through the majority of the season. Uh, so they do have to figure out a way to come out a little bit stronger. I think teams are, are also very tuned into what Green Bay does offensively and they're game planning all week to figure out what they're going to do against Green Bay's offense and throw some exotic looks at them. It doesn't take long for for Rodgers and LaFleur to figure that out and then just kind of adjust and have better game plans. So it's also weird, like the 49ers game was the one game where they really had like a really big lead to start off and got off to an amazing start. And they couldn't like had a really tough time finishing that off. And it took a, a last minute drive and a field goal to win that game. So, like, I think it's just about playing consistent football, four quarter football. And this is something we've sort of talked about with Rodgers and LaFleur in some capacity over the last three years. Um, almost every season, but uh, like what I'm, what I'm looking for in this game is I want, I want a soul taking performance. I want them to take Minnesota's soul. Like they had the opportunity to take Cleveland's soul last game because Cleveland was fighting for their playoff, uh, you know, playoff life. And I thought they had the opportunity up 24, 12, just to go for the kill and just completely yeah. shatter them. And like one more score, even if they scored a touchdown on that opening drive of the second half, instead of a field goal, it might've been enough to be a dagger and them to really get, you know, behind enough where they started chucking the ball around and probably even more interceptions. I want to see a, a soul taking performance from the Packers. They have the ability, I think Minnesota playing for their playoff lives. They know that it's almost over. They're playing in frigid temperatures. You know, Mike Zimmer could be gone after this. Like there's all this stuff that's hanging over their heads. You get out to a big lead. You have the ability to, to take their souls from them, get, get revenge for that loss in Minnesota earlier. And I think if they can do that, I think that would be a great way to sort of end the important part of the regular season, hopefully with a divisional round, uh, you know, uh, win or, you know, trip to the divisional yeah. round if, if Dallas picks up a loss. Um, but we'll see what happens. And I think it, it, either way, it's going to be an entertaining game, but I would love to see a, a soul stealing performance from the Packers. Yeah, man. What a message that would be uh, just absolutely blow out the Minnesota Vikings. What a message it would be to the rest of the NFC. Uh, Dallas is coming off a game where they scored 56 points uh, against the Washington football team. So to maybe not, we don't have to go full blown 50 points, but put it away in early in the third quarter um clinch that first round by and we're looking good and we're looking set for Jordan Love to dominate the Detroit Lions next week it would be amazing would be it amazing. would and I'm not you know whatever the Lions decide to do and I'm not rooting for Jared Goff I, I think the recent ways out this past week was because of COVID I'm not rooting for him to get injured again but come on Dan Campbell can you just give us the Jordan Love and Tim Boyle Bowl we we just I need that for my soul. I would I would complete this season for me. I'm right there with you, obviously. <laughs> and then you know, and then you got Jamal Williams back there in the Lions backfield. So that that would be something uh, to watch. We just Big need that Geronimo Allison up to a wide receiver. Let's just complete oh, the package too. Of of course, I mean, tons of Packers legends over there that would be uh, ready for the revenge game. Jordan loves just like. I'm just trying to get some good reps. I don't know why you guys care so much about getting your four and 12 season done. Amazing. Uh, anyways, big B Andy, any uh, final thoughts you want to add here today? I got nothing. This is awesome. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Andy. It was a phenomenal talk. Yeah, you bet guys. Anytime. Thanks for having me. And we'll uh, definitely do it again.
Revolution. Wow, wow, wow. What a great talk with the Podfather, Andrew Herman. Uh, I mean, like like I said at the beginning of our, our talk with him, like, you know, let's just let him talk. Let's let him take it away. Um, and it was a, a great chat. Uh, and I'm just like all hyped up. This is like in my routine of Packer fandom, like throughout the week, this is like the final tipping point. Like, let's go the final hike before the weekend. Um, we get to see our Packers win like, you know, on Monday after the game, it's like, all right, what's the good things what the bad things. And it's always exciting to like, um, you know, like Sunday night into Monday morning. That is just like the dream time to celebrate everything that's happening analyze Aaron Rodgers press conferences, play the rest of the season out in Madden, like that fun stuff. And then like we move along, we got my typical podcast that I listen to throughout the week. And then we're here Thursday or Friday. I'm like, all right, we got to get to talk to a guest about the Packers. And if not, you know, it's just you and me. We're having a great time. Um, looking forward to a Packers game. And this week, the vibes are going to be through the roof on Sunday night football. I want to go somewhere. I want to go to a bar. I don't know where, like maybe Buffalo Wild Wings, man. Like, and just like I don't even live in Green Bay, and I'll probably be the only Packers fan there. But I want to celebrate um, the Packers starting off 2022 with a bane, clinching the first seed, beating the division rival Minnesota Vikings. I want to celebrate that with some drunk people. All right, that sounds like a lot of fun to me. Yeah, I guess so. Anyways, we will be back next week to talk about a meaningless game where Jordan Love gets to try out once again. Um, I shouldn't get too far ahead of myself, though, because just as quickly as we can be here Sunday night, happy about clinching this first seed, we could also be here at Sunday at 12 and thinking, all right, not only do we have to pull out a win next week against the Detroit Lions, we also have to hope the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Dallas Cowboys. You see, I can't, I can't take that nerve the the nerves of like having to rely on another team to help us out like and a mediocre team at that yeah and the eagles are going to be a playoff team but compared to dallas who knows it is division game but let's let's not even worry about that i don't know how i would have been able to handle it if i cared enough in the 2010 playoffs and we had to rely on the philadelphia eagles to beat the giants to get into the playoffs and then Obviously, thank God for Deshaun Jackson, but man, that would have been crazy. I mean, if you think if that boy didn't have some wheels on him, still only 12-time NFL champions. Mm-hmm. But we're going to get number 14 this February. It's going to be a great grand old time. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure you follow the Underage Packers podcast on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, the Spotify's, and make sure you uh, follow Andy on uh, all those places as well if you're not already that's all we got for you today go pack go